You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Amen. Good morning. Well, I add my Happy New Year to you now. We're at the beginning of a new year, but we're at the beginning of a new decade. Pretty exciting. And I'm excited not only what God has in store for you, and what He has in store for us as a church family as we come into this new year and this new decade. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be working our, our way through Gideon's story. So if you have your Bibles, you can look with me to the book of Judges, Old Testament, about six, seven books in, you'll come to the book of Judges. And hopefully over the next few weeks, we're going to make some discoveries about who God is, about how God works, and about how God relates to us uh, present day. I think there's some great life application stuff from the story of Gideon as we come into this new year. Not, not that I'm a prophet, but let me tell you what's going to happen in this new year. This new year is going to bring some times of a blessing and rejoicing and fulfillment. And in those times, what you'll always want to do is remember to give God thanks, for he's the source of every good thing in our lives. Also, in this new year, you're going to experience some challenges, pain, and loss. Well, that's what happens in life. It is the reality of life. In those times, you have to remember that God is present working for your good. He's present to bring help. No matter what you face, you have to know this, that God is bigger. Amen? God is bigger. Recently, I was at the bedside of someone who was in the hospital, and they had just received a report, news from the doctor, that uh, it was not good. It was a bad report. We talked about the options, the challenges, and the possible outcomes, and, and really none of it seemed good. In the midst of the conversation, the lady assured me, the lady that I went to visit assured me that it was all going to be okay because what she said to me, she says, Pastor God's bigger. Then whatever I face, whatever the outcome, she said, it's going to be good because God is working for my good. He's in this with me. And what was interesting, the very thing that I should have been saying to this lady as the pastor, because I was there to encourage her, she was actually saying to me. She was reminding me of a truth that I think if we're not careful, we can lose sight of. And it's this truth, it's this fact, that our God is bigger. Hey, what happens, what happens is as we process through life, and if you've been in this faith journey for any time at all, this can happen to you. I know for me, I've been in this faith journey for 50 years. You're wondering like, wow, you don't look that old. And I'm not, but I am. Um, 50 years. And maybe you have even more years than myself. But this is what can happen over a period of time is that we can take a God who is big and make him small in our own eyes. We can take a God who's big and make him small in our lives. Now, we can quote scripture after scripture, dozens of scriptures about the promises of God, but in our hearts, God's like no longer the king who conquers armies and cuts a valley in the seas. He's no longer the shepherd who seeks sheep and keeps them safe behind his staff. He's no longer the Lord who walks on waves and calls the dead back from the grave slowly and subtly. Like we don't just get there all of a sudden, slowly and subtly. We can forget God's power, God's wisdom, and God's tenderness. So as we launch into this new year, I want to remind you in this series, um, which is all about this fact that God is bigger. What we don't want to do is we don't want to allow what we're walking through, what we're experiencing in life, to eclipse the greatness of God. See, if we're not careful, 
We can allow what we're in, what we're experiencing, to actually become bigger than God. And when that happens, when we forget, we get anxious. When we forget that God is bigger, we panic. When we forget that God is bigger, we begin to doubt. So what we need to, what we need to constantly be reminded of is that God is bigger. So why don't you encourage your neighbor this morning, turn to them and say, hey, my God is bigger. Now turn to your neighbor on the other side and tell them again, my God is bigger. You know, what I'm confident of is that with this new year comes new opportunities. That's the good news, but also new challenges. That's why I love this new song that the worship teams taught us that we sang again this morning, that God is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeping God, a God who's the light in the darkness. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Amen. Even when we don't, even when we don't feel it. And see, that's, that's when we can lose sight of who God is. And that's when we can have the tendency to make God small in our own eyes. Although he's not small, we make him small because we don't see him working the way we thought he would work. But hear me, friends, he's still working. He's always working. And God is, God is bigger. We may not fully understand it. We may not fully see it. But God is working, always working for our good. I love the verse of Scripture in Romans 8.28 that says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Notice the Scripture says not in some things, but in, in all things. I mean, all is like comprehensive. All, I mean, you can study it out in the Greek text. All means like all. <laughs> yeah, everything. Like it covers like every sphere, every aspect of life. But God is working in and through everything for his glory and for your good. Our confidence doesn't come in who we are. Our confidence comes in who God is. Our confidence is not in our ability, but our confidence is in God's ability. What God can do in and through your life, is not, it's not based on your ability. It's based on this, your availability. As you make yourself available, listen, friend, there's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do and will do in and through your life. And we're going to see this truth played out in the life of Gideon as we look to his story. Before we read our text this morning, I'm going to give you a little background information that will help you with the story we're going to look to today. I don't want to just assume that everyone knows how we get to the book of Judges and what happened that brought us up to that. So let me just give you a, a, a little history. God has given the promised land to the children of Israel. Joshua has led them into this promised land. They've conquered much of the land, not all of the land, but they've taken possession of much of the land. And Joshua's now coming to the end of his years. He's coming to the end of his leadership. And so he, he rallies the children of Israel together and he says, hey, you need to follow God. You need to follow God's ways. I'm not going to be here. I'm getting ready to die. Here's my challenge to you. Follow the ways of God. Matter of fact, Joshua 24, verse 23, Joshua said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we'll serve the Lord our God and obey him. Well, that's what they said, but that's not what they did. Matter of fact, we have the book of Judges. The book of Judges covers 350 years of history in the, in the nation of Israel. And basically, in the book of Judges, what you find is the same story again and again and again. And that 
The children of Israel said they were going to follow God, but they didn't. They chose to go their own way. How many of you know when you choose to go your own way, it always results in crisis in your life? You say, well, you know, I I don't need God. I don't believe in God. I'm going to kind of go do what I want. Well, go ahead. Go ahead and see how that works out in your life. It didn't work well for the children of Israel. And hear me, friends, it will not work well for you either. But the children of Israel, there's this recurring pattern that we see throughout the book of Judges. Children of Israel would abandon God, rebel against God, turn away from God, um, give themselves in worship to idols. God would bring an oppressive nation against them as a point of judgment to captivate their attention. And the good news is God is merciful. I mean, you know, that's good news. Not only for the children of Israel, but for us this morning. God would be merciful. He would hear their cry for help. And he would raise up a deliverer. He would raise up a judge. He would raise up an individual, um, both men and women, as we find in the book of Judges, who would uh, overthrow the oppressive nation, uh, nation that had come against Israel. And they would worship God for a time and a season, and then they would lose their way again. So again, 350 years, you see this thing happening uh, again and again. Well, it happens... As we come to Judges chapter 6, in that God has used a nation called the Midianites. He has raised up the nation of Midian against the nation of Israel to capture their attention, to bring them back to right relationship with him. Judges 6.1 reads like this, again, again, in other words, here it's happening again, same cycle. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The scripture talks about how the Midianites would come in and destroy the crops, steal their livestock, pillage the village, and oppress the people. Verse 6 says that Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Again, because God is merciful and God is good. He heard their cry and he raised up a man and the man's name was Gideon. So let's pick up the story. Judges chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abereserite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Were all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us, and he's put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Notice verse 15. But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? Like my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you'll strike down all of the Midianites together. So here's Gideon, as we come to this story, here's Gideon hiding in the wine press, and he's threshing out wheat. Now, if you know anything about a wine press and threshing wheat, you would know that a wine press is a horrible place to thresh wheat. A wine press would be down in a low area um, where they would uh, press out the grapes to get the juice to make the wine. Um, and as you were threshing wheat, it was common in that day to take the wheat, to place it on something like a large blanket, a large sheet, 
And they're trying to get the husk separated from the kernel. So they would take the wheat, they would throw it up into the air, allowing the wind to blow away the husk. So you wanted to be up in a high place if you were threshing wheat, so you would have the benefit of the wind, not in a low place like the wine press. So why is Gideon down in the wine press trying to thresh out wheat? He's scared. He's hiding. He's trying to protect the little that he has. And as he's threshing out this little wheat that he has, the angel of the Lord appears and informs him that he's going to deliver his people from the oppressive Midianites. And this catches Gideon a a, a bit off guard. Rather than like jumping to the opportunity, Gideon has like a number of questions like, why me? Like, I can't do that. I'm not the man. you, You must have the wrong address. I'm not the man for the job. Basically, Gideon says, I can't, and I don't want to do it. Now, through a process of events, God reveals to Gideon that he's bigger than Gideon's inability, that he's bigger than the Mennonites, that he's bigger than the challenge before Gideon. And as Gideon makes himself available, God uses like the most unlikely individual to bring deliverance for the children of Israel. So from this encounter, God's encounter with Gideon, what I want to do is I want to share with you really quick this morning five life lessons as we come into this new year, as we come into this new decade, five life lessons that I think we can pick up out of this story, out of Gideon's story. The first is this, God sees and relates to you as you can be, not as you are, as you can be, as to what he's placed in you. In verse 12, as the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I think at this point, Gideon's probably looking around the wine press, wondering, like, who else is into here besides me? Because obviously, the angel of the Lord's not speaking to me. There must be a mighty warrior that slipped in while I was unaware. And Gideon looks around the wine press, and there's no one there but him. And Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty warrior. I think he actually saw himself as a mighty coward. I mean, like he's not out trying to rally some men to join with him to defeat the Midianites. That's like the last thing on his mind. What he's trying to do is protect the little that he has. Like Gideon saw himself as a scared farmer, but God saw himself as a mighty warrior. He, God saw and knew the potential that was placed in Gideon's life because he had placed it there. And he was speaking to him based on that potential. God saw what he could be, not what he was. And I believe, I believe that God relates to you in the same way. Where Gideon viewed himself as a, as a, as a scared farmer, God saw this mighty warrior. So here's a great question for you this morning. How might God view you as to what he's placed in you? As to what he's created you to be and do. What might he be calling forth out of your life? Because again, God sees and relates to as you can be, not as you are. Possibly you've been thinking of yourself as a man or woman who's a nobody and has little ability. But God sees you as an individual who has great potential to build a thriving business and to vibrantly live out your faith in that business. Or possibly you've been battling this mental mind game. And oftentimes this happens. It's not just Gideon that this happens to. It's probably like most of us in the room today. There's this mental mind game that happens that says you can't do that. 
There's this middle mind game that we, that, that we battle that says, well, I don't have what it takes. Listen, I've been having this battle for 30 years. I've been pastoring for 30 years. God and, I, God and I have this conversation every Sunday morning. It's like I feel like I need to remind him, God, I can't do this. Like You want me to stand before a bunch of people and say something that's supposed to help them in some way? Like I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to engage. I don't know how to make that happen. And then there's this mind game that happens. I remind God, God, I'm a little bit like a David facing a Goliath today. Like if you don't show up, we're in trouble. And God says, I realize that. <laughs> you know, there's this mental game that plays out. That says we're not able. Here's the good news. This is what I learned from Gideon's story. God doesn't relate to us based on who we are and where we're at. But he relates to us based on who we can be. And he sees the potential he's placed in your life. So again, friend, my question to you this morning is how might God view you? What might he have in store for you as we come into this new decade? Here's a second lesson from Gideon's encounter. Move forward confident of God's presence and God's provision. Come into this new year. Moving forward confident. God's presence and provision. As the angel of the Lord encounters Gideon and brings this news that he's going to be the deliverer for his people from the Midianites, not only does Gideon have some questions as to how this could be true, but there's also the reality of a fear, a fear of what might happen, fear of failure and defeat. He's, he's again struggling with his own insecurities. In the midst of his struggles, I want you to notice what the angel of the Lord says to him. The angel of the Lord brings the solution to his inability, to his fear. And this is what the angel of the Lord says. He says, the Lord's going to be with you. Actually, he says it twice. Verse 12 and verse 16. Again, the Lord's going to be with you. You're going to have his presence and his provision. So in other words, Gideon was not going to have to face the Midianites alone. No, what he had, he had help. He had the promise of God's presence and provision. And as Gideon would make himself available and step into this opportunity, God was going to show up and do something far beyond his ability. But he had God's presence. And he has God's provision. And we have the same promise today. We can move forward with confidence and have courage. Why? Because of God's presence and God's provision. As you set your life to seek God and to honor God, then you can live confidently knowing that God is present and he's working for your good. We have this, we have this promise in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 that we need to be reminded of often. Listen to how the word reads. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because notice what God said. This is what I want to get to. God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So who's your helper? Lord. Who's your helper? Lord. So as we come into this new year, who's your helper? Listen, the Lord is, Lord, he's, he's on your side. And he's bigger than whatever you're going to face, whatever you go through. Well, you have a helper. We can move forward confident. Why? Because of God's presence and his provision. In other words, I'm not fighting this battle alone. I'm not pushing this wagon up the hill by myself. What I have help. You have help. So we move confidently forward. We're courageous as we move forward. Not because of our ability, but because of God's provision. 
And God's presence. So when God invites you into an opportunity that's greater than you have the ability to achieve, listen, you can move forward with confidence. Why? You have his presence, his provision. When we face overwhelming challenges that that scare us to death, we can move forward with confidence. Why? We have God's presence and his provision. When we come to situations that we don't have all the provision for that we need, we can move forward confident. Why? Because of God's presence and his provision. So as you, come into this, as you come into this new year, I challenge you, come into the year with confidence. Move forward confidently. Why? God is bigger. God is bigger. And what? His presence and his provision is available for you. You have a helper. That's the good news. Here's a third lesson that we can learn, I think, from Gideon's story is this. Don't allow your circumstances to determine your belief about God and his word. Here's the reality, folks. Our circumstances are constantly changing. You agree with me? That's kind of like the weather in North Carolina. If you don't like it today, it'll be different tomorrow, right? Well, but constantly changing. If we allow our circumstances to shape our theology and our belief and understanding of God, then, then that belief and understanding of God is going to constantly be changing. Why? Because our circumstances are constantly changing. If you build your theology of God, your understanding of God based on your circumstances, then you're going to have a warped theology. Why? Because you're, you're interpreting God through what you're going through. We don't want to do that. But that's what happens to Gideon. If you look back to verse 15, excuse me, verse 13, notice the questions that Gideon asked the angel of the Lord. He says, but sir, if, if the Lord's with us, like if, if he's really God, if he's really present, then why has all this happened to us? We're all the wonders that our fathers told us about. When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and he's put us into the hand of Midian. For Gideon, he's looking at his present situation, his present circumstance, and the reality of the pressure and the presence of the oppressive Midianites, and he's questioning the presence of God. He says, God, if you were real, then this wouldn't be happening. But he's seeing God through his circumstance rather than seeing the circumstance through God. This is not just a problem for Gideon. I think it's a problem for us as well today. Oftentimes, we have this wrong view of God because we're seeing God through the circumstance. I know of an individual who's a man whose wife was battling cancer. As a result of this um, prolonged struggle with cancer, he, he, he was there by his wife's side as she suffered eventually the disease. The evil disease of cancer took her life. And today this man who's, who walked through this has rejected God because this is the conclusion he came to. If God was real and if God cared, then my wife would be here today. She wouldn't have gone through this struggle. Therefore, I can't put my faith in a God like that. What well, he's interpreting God through the circumstance. I know of another situation where there's a man who was sexually abused when he was young. The depravity of humanity playing on it shouldn't have happened, should never happen, but it is evil in our world today. 
the reality that we live in a sinful, fallen world. So this young boy was sexually molested. And today he really has no need for God, no room for God, no interest in God, because this is a conclusion he came to. If God really cared and if God was real, then he wouldn't have allowed that to happen to me because that happened to me. I can't believe in God. What, again, what's happening? Interpreting God through the circumstance. And when that happens, let me tell you, friends, you're always going to have a distorted view of who God is. And your understanding of God is going to constantly be changing because your circumstances are constantly changing. If we truly want to know who God is, we have to go back to the truth of his word. God's word is the absolute authority that we must build our theology from. So don't allow, don't allow yourself to come to the place that you're interpreting God through the circumstances. Hear me today. God is bigger than the circumstance. Bigger than the situation. So don't, don't allow that to distort your view of God. Here's a fourth lesson that we can learn from Gideon. Choose to act your way into effectiveness. Act your way. Notice what the angel Lord says to Gideon in verse 14. He says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Notice again, go in the strength you have. Not like I'm going to give you all the tools you need. I'm going to give you all the strength you need. I'm going to give you all the battle strategy. Basically, this is what the angel Lord is saying to Gideon. Move. Act. Take the first step. And Gideon, God desires to work through us, but it requires us to move. As we partner faith with action, it's then that we experience God's work in and through our lives. You know, oftentimes we wait for God to make the first move when he's waiting for us to step out in faith. We're waiting for God's action, and he's waiting for us to move forward in faith. Let me tell you, for some of you in this new year, you need to get off your tail and move. You're waiting for God to show up and do something miraculous, and God's waiting for your faith response. Go in the strength you have. Step out as God is inviting, and in that what you see God. I mean, we see this principle consistently throughout Scripture. I mean, we have David, a shepherd boy, going on to a battlefield that he should have never been on, taking out a a giant by the name of Goliath. What happened? David acted his way into effectiveness. Have Nehemiah, who was not a wall builder. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, but Nehemiah became a wall builder, and the wall was rebuilt around Jerusalem in 52 days. A miracle. Why? Because Nehemiah acted his way to effectiveness. Come to the New Testament, we have the story of the woman who had the issue of blood, who had been sick for 12 years. She didn't wait for Jesus to come to her. What did she do? She sought out Jesus, pressed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and a miracle happened. Why? Because she acted her way into the miracle. In Mark chapter 2, we have the story of, of the paralyzed man who had four friends, and they knew if they could get their friend to Jesus, that Jesus could like solve the problem. So they get their friend on a stretcher and they take him to Jesus. They get there, the, the house is packed, people outside, they can't even begin to get to the door. So what did they do? They got up on the roof and tore a hole in the roof. They acted their way into the miracle. Scripture says that Jesus saw their faith, he saw their action, and he healed their paralyzed friend. The man was carried to Jesus on a stretcher and he left carrying his own stretcher. Why? There was four men who acted their way into effect. Go in the strength that you have. 
why God says to Gideon. And I would challenge you in 2020, have a bias to action. Be willing to step out in faith and see what God might do in your life as you're willing to get off your tail and move. And we get lethargic. We get complacent. And God's inviting us something into something that's so much greater than we are. We have to be willing to act our way into effective. So if you don't get paralyzed with the question, don't allow yourself to get stuck wanting more information. So many times we went, oh, I want more, I want more, I want more information. You want, listen, let me tell you why you want more information. You want more information so you don't have to trust God. Right? God said, I'm not going to give you more information. What I, want, what I want to see is I want to see your faith. I want to see your willingness to act your way to effect. God says to get in, go. Go in the strength that you have. Here's the last lesson. Final lesson from Gideon's life this morning is this. God works through your weakness for his glory. Through your weakness for his good. For his glory. So here's the good news this morning, friends. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the ability. You don't have to have all the talent. You don't have to have like title or or position. All God needs is your availability and your willingness. So he'll work through your weakness for his glory. He'll bring his ability to your inability as you move. As you're willing. And then notice Gideon's question. In verse 15, Gideon says, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. But basically, Gideon's saying here, I am, God, in case you don't know, I know you know everything, but maybe you don't know this, I am like the most unlikely of individuals for this job. Like, let, let me tell you about my family. Not only is my family like, the least of all the tribes, but like I am the least. I am, no one can get lower than I am, God. That's my situation, in case you didn't know. Gideon said, I have nothing to offer. And notice the Lord saying, this is what the Lord says to him, I will be with you. Interesting. I will be with you. God was saying that he would manifest his strength in Gideon's weakness and make Gideon a mighty warrior. Listen, he'll do the same. He'll do the same for you. So there's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do as you simply make yourself available. Listen, God can take your weakness. He can take your life. He can take your inability. And he can do great things as you simply say, God, here I am. Use me. Amazing what he can do through your weakness. And I stand before you this morning as a living example of this. And I grew up in the hills of Arkansas, didn't wear shoes till I was 12, hated school. I didn't read a book all the way through school. My greatest ambition in life was this I wanted to be a farmer. I told God I was going to be a farmer. And somehow God got me from the hills of Arkansas to this. And every day I get up and I'm living this out. And it's like, I remind God all the time, God, I think you got the wrong guy. I don't even like, I don't even like standing before people. And some of the people that you call me to pastor, I don't even like them either. 
that God, you got the wrong man for the job. Every Sunday morning, this is true, every Sunday morning I pray this prayer, God, I feel like David stepping onto the battlefield today to face a glory. You can't do it. I'm not making this up. I pray that prayer every Sunday because I feel so overwhelmed. You know what God reminds me? He says, you're right where I want you because I'm going to manifest my power through your weakness. Folks, God doesn't need your ability. He doesn't need your talent. What does he need? He needs your availability. And in your weakness, he'll manifest his power. And what what he'll do will be amazing. And I stand amazed in awe. I'm mad of God's good word. And what we learn from Gideon's story is that God is bigger. He's bigger than your challenges. He's bigger than your insecurities. He's bigger than your inability. And God is able to turn your opposition into opportunity. He's able to turn your devastating circumstances into places of blessings. He's able to turn your weakness to strength. He's able to turn your past into a better present and future. So don't allow what you're at today or where you're at or what you're facing to eclipse the goodness and the greatness of God. He is bigger. I'm going to leave you with this verse in Hebrews 4.16. That says, let us then with confidence, what? With confidence draw near to the throne of God's grace that we receive mercy and find grace to help in time So let's do that this morning. God, we come to your throne of grace, your throne of mercy, to find help. God, what I know today, Lord, I see it again in in Gideon's stories. God, you're bigger, bigger than the adversary, the Midianites, bigger than Gideon's inability, bigger than his insecurities. And Lord, what was true for Gideon is true for us today. Lord, this is not just some nice story we pull out of the Old Testament. God, it's the reality of who you are and how you work. God, you are bigger. Forgive us, God, for for interpreting you through our circumstances. God, may we see our circumstances through you. To know, God, that you are greater. May we no longer be trapped in this mind game that says, I'm a nobody, I'm not able, I have nothing to offer. God, really, you you don't so much need like what we can bring. God, it's really about simply our willingness and our availability. Lord, in in and through our weakness, God, you do great great things. So Lord, my prayer today, for all of my friends here, is that they would come into this new year, come into this new decade with a confidence, God, that you are bigger. That's, that wouldn't be just something that they, that they know in their minds, but God, may it be the reality of how they process life. May they process life knowing this, God, that you're bigger. And that you're working for their good. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.